Destructionist Radio presents The War Room, where we discuss tactics for strategic Christian living. Mighty Lord, extend your kingdom, be the truth with triumph crown. Let the lambs that sit in darkness hear the glorious gospel sound. Good evening. And welcome to the War Room. I'm your host, Bill Evans. Tonight I have Nathan Conkey and Roger Oliver from Puebla, Mexico. Greetings, gents. Welcome to the War Room. Greetings. Thank you. Very nice. Uh, boy, it's good to have you back over on this side of the planet, Nathan, you you globetrotter. Well, um, I don't know what I'm going to do next week, but uh, next year, should I say, but... Um, I'm visiting my parents, and of course, England isn't a very long way from Ireland, and it's only a hop, skip, and a jump to Europe. So, try to take advantage of um, the proximity of people, and um, some of those people are extremely isolated, like uh, Giorgio. So, it's a privilege to be able to visit them and try to encourage them a little bit and share their vision with other people, so that they can be supported in prayer. And perhaps financially, um, who knows? Uh, and just great to see them. Great to be able to share their viewpoints and messages and so on. And I was glad to see. I'm eager to hear more. Uh, and you did a great job, by the way, on your interview with Stephen Perks. He is, uh, I think, he is uh, he is cutting edge. I mean, in, some people would, are, and you know that because some people are going to call him a heretic. Uh, but I really enjoyed it, and I think he is, uh, him and Bojadar have both uh, been tracking along. But anyway, to, specifically to the mission at hand is to uh, talk about Puebla, Mexico, and um, the ministry you have there and what it is that you are setting about to do. Uh, Roger, there's two um, two topics that we've sort of, uh, thrown out that, that we want you to, to address. And, and of course, uh, you're a, you're a, you're a, a meat and potatoes kind of guy. You, you describe yourself as a, uh, you know, decisive guy. You're, you you know, you're, uh, you're a doer. Uh, so two things. Number one is I'm really interested in instruction for the body of Christ here in America in terms of what you're, what you're um, what you're doing as far as as a as a as a body of believers, you uh, I guess we could refer to it as the synagogue model versus a temple model. Uh, I guess that is that has to do with your 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 um, what you do on a certain day of the week <laughs> as as believers, as opposed to every other day of the week, perhaps. And and secondly, and and maybe most importantly, it will fill up the bulk of our 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 time. Is uh, and, and of course, uh, Stephen Perks uh, emphasizes this, and uh, and that is Christianity as a social order. Uh, I, I get the impression that that you are uh, uh, you see yourself as a beachhead. 
there at um, in Puebla in the Pierre Vray Learning Center. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, uh, Puebla, what you're up against, and what what faith for all of life looks like in a sea of paganism. <laughs> It's probably in many ways easier here than uh, in the U.S. The, the response has been much more positive, I think, at least from what I've uh, encountered. The interactions on Facebook is all I have anymore much. Uh, we're pretty much citizens here now. But uh, <clears throat> I was looking for, uh, we talked the other day about it, the process of how you how you come out of a lifetime of a certain theology and at, at, at my age to change so radically having been a director of a seminary a dispensational seminary and uh, walking away from that uh, once a soldier always a soldier I guess and I never quit I never stopped thinking that way so you get to the point where you say well at my age I gotta something ain't working we gotta do something different so uh, well, one of the things that uh, I can't remember exactly how I found American Vision but there was this guy named Bojidar Marinov writing articles, and he wrote an article, a two-part article, on raising the ethical standards of missionaries to those of Walmart employees. And I, he says, I'm the only guy that came back with a positive response. I said, that's, that's what I've been trying to put my finger on. What are we lacking? Uh, because I felt like I was asked to live to a higher ethical standard as a commissioned officer than... I was a missionary, and I said, this, ain't, this just isn't right. What's missing here? So one thing led to another, and he helped me process it. Bo is very good at asking questions uh, <clears throat> and, and being persistent about it. Uh, and so it helps you process that through and make the change, and you see where, where, where you got to go, what kind of change you got to make uh, in a tactical way in order to, in order to have an impact you know, to start something. Uh, you said it's uh, like a beachhead. It's I think of it as a mustard seed operation. But the the reason why I think it is a little bit easier here than maybe in the United States is because the need is felt uh, much more than it is there. We don't do anything to advertise the learning center. Uh, they just it's all word of mouth, and people come knocking on our doors. And we started out thinking we're going to have forty this year. We got eighty three students. A lot of it has to do with bullying in the schools and. Uh, a lot of them came this year because there's a new initiative out to teach sexual deviance to little children in the public schools. And, and so there's a sense of a, they haven't lost the sense of the family here uh, yet, but there's, they're very statist in their thinking. So what I, what I was thinking about as a structure, trying to understand myself what's going on because you get so busy, it's hard to analyze it. Uh, Jason Sanchez? Mm-hmm. Yep, posted a thing from Stephen Perk speaking of him, and his stuff has been really good. He puts the cookies on the bottom shelf where you can understand it. And there were were four elements that he wrote in that uh, blog about what we're talking about, a Christian social order, Christian education, a Christian welfare system, a Christian arbitration system, and Christian medical service. And uh, so those are the things that we keep thinking about. One of the things I keep telling people is we have got to stop taking the cheese and getting our hands caught in a trap and figure out how to act as a society to take care of each other, to do business together, and to provide services to the community that, that, that they want. We, uh, so as that developed, the other thing is uh, 
that has been really helpful. And I went back and looked at it to see if there was something there to understand what in the world is going on here. And that was an article that, that Bo published in American Vision several years ago. I think it's titled A Missionary's Five-Step Plan for Effective Cultural Resistance. And it tracks with the covenant. And uh, is, uh, literature is the first thing to teach people. Um, the first element of the covenant is who's, who is the boss? Who is the, uh, the top dog? Who is, as we say in Spanish, the metal metal? And the second one is leadership. I think is the word I chose to put in there. A missionary must work to create the hierarchical structure of the covenant community, not just a pastor, but leading, developing uh, elders and that sort of thing. Uh, third, a culture is defined by its law. So we're t- teaching the law. Fourth, positive sanctions. I put positive sanctions because he talks about problem solving and rewarding those who can solve problems. Uh, fifth, the covenant community must secure transfer of wealth. So I was thinking about what we're doing here and how they fit under each one of those. Going back to Stephen Perks, Christian Education, the Learning Center, and we sort of stumbled into that. And and I'm ready to put I'm ready to pull a plug on anything that didn't work. And as long as people come and this thing be, keeps on developing, that's what we're going to do. Uh, Christian welfare system, uh, we scholarship. The price that we charge is lower than any other school in town. Uh, <clears throat> we uh, teach the use of tithes and offerings. There's a family, there's at least one family in the learning center that ties to the learning center because we taught tithing in one of the past one of the uh, schools for for parents. Um, and building businesses, putting people to work. Uh, a Christian arbitration system. My wife and I were trained by Peacemaker Ministries to be uh, in uh, Christian mediation. And we were called to a church. We spent six days there trying to help the thing from blowing off, blowing up. Uh, they come, people come to you when they know that you can help resolve a conflict and when they're in trouble and they can't, and they can't figure out. So they come. The other thing we do is in the learning center, we always try to solve problems and deal with those conflicts in terms of the scripture that is witnesses. Child comes and says, so-and-so is doing something wrong. I said, bring him here and let's have a courtroom right now. And we try to make the decision based on the evidence and what the law says. And in that way, by by living together, we teach these principles. And medical service, we talked about that. Uh, we need their homeopathy and and home remedies and that sort of thing are big here. Are although everybody, I'm surprised at how we're surprised at how quickly people go to the doctor every time they get a pain. Oh, brother, you know they don't. They've lost a lot of that, I think, in the last decades, several decades here, because they talk about their grandparents using herbs and that sort of thing. So uh, we were talking also the other day about what people could do. Again, somebody who's uh, who knows. I can't pronounce it. Naturopathy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Nature. Uh, that sort of thing will be well received here. Mm. Uh, so, but going down the uh, what what Bo was teaching and what we've actually what I've once I get it in my head, I don't think about it that much. I just keep looking for opportunities and people. You take people on because of their character, not because of a slot in a in an idea. That's always been my sort of approach to this thing and God has brought people even the strange way that Nathan got, <laughs> came here that's quite a story in itself but uh, uh, literature so we we started investing in translation and distribution of literature and videos I could list you know we did uh, 
uh, Greg Banson's Pushing the Antithesis. Boy, that has been a powerful tool. We call it uh, Preparate para la Buena Batalla, Prepare for the Good Battle. That's the title of that book in Spanish. Uh, uh, we've, we're working on Idols for Destruction. We've got to get permission to do that. But I kind of run out of money and out of time to follow that up, so it's kind of on hold. But we also have a web page called Mission America Latina, sort of patterned after American Vision, where we publish articles and the books are up there for people to get. And we have a Facebook page also. And then uh, as a fluke, you know, you don't necessarily have to have a boss to tell everybody to do some stuff. Nathan started uh, videoing the school for parents and the chapels and publishing them. And they get some of the highest uh, traffic of interest of anything that, we, that we've done. And we're not pushing it. We're not trying to get ahead of ourselves or go too fast. Let the Lord lead this thing. I had a wise, probably a colonel had told me when I was a lieutenant, we tend to overestimate what we can accomplish in a year and underestimate what we can accomplish in five. So we tend to try to think in five-year chunks. So that, that's kind of the literature thing and how we worked on that getting uh, uh, the Institutes of Biblical Law is translated into Spanish, getting that into people's hands uh, and teaching it. Uh, the leadership thing is you just kind of fall into that, being responsible for people, where you end up being, a per, uh, as a missionary, somebody that people come to for uh, the learning center, for counsel in their marriages, because you've been married for a long time. It's just kind of a, a natural thing that happens and what we're trying to do is, I'm not really a pastor. I'm also an owner of the business that we started. I'm the director of the seminar, of the learning center. And we've got this vision for how that thing might grow, if we can, just a little bit at a time, into having a university for our, for our Christian kids. Uh, and you bring people in. They have gifts and talents. You say, what do you think? Would you like to try this? And you let them, you turn the horses loose. You, my... Uh, sort of leadership style is to tell them where the objective is and tell them what the rails they got to run on and turn the horses loose. They used to say, if you just tell folks there's hot chow on the objective, <laughs> they'll win the battle for you. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that's the leadership thing. And that's how we got the learning center is focused on leadership and training kids to be just disciplined and their parents and out of that came the idea of the church. I just put the word synagogue on it to differentiate it from a typical uh, church where you preach every Sunday and that sort of thing. Uh, I don't know what a synagogue is. I've never really been in one. I've seen them, but it's more of a community center than it is a church. And the focus is on strengthening the family. We don't have Sunday school. We don't have women's ministry and men's ministry and youth ministry we have families together and parents teach their, we give them a tool. Uh, we eat breakfast together. We have the, the Lord's Supper mm -hmm. together. We repeat the Ten Commandments. We pray the Lord's Prayer. I have, we have something that, uh, to teach them. And then we have a child's version of one of the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism that the parents can work with their kids and fill out blanks in the thing every Sunday. And we get out of there and go home and be families rather than have the church consume every waking minute. We don't have midweek services or anything like that. I think probably under that heading, another thing that we're doing is, uh, for lack of a better term, is uh, uh, vocational discipleship. We have three groups. 
and we're just developing that thing. We start out with a book called Wealth, Riches, and Money that talks about family finances, and then then we go to uh, this will probably change over time. You know how that goes. Then we go to Doing Business God's Way, and then the next book we studied was uh, Discipling Nations. And and right now with that first group that we started, which is the core group of leadership in the in our little church, uh, is um, what's his name? Gary's Gary Norse Inherit the Earth. Uh, so that those are also part of developing leadership, giving people responsibility, and letting them letting them run with it. You got more to do than you can possibly do. Well, I have to inter- I have to interject here with yeah. a question. I have to interject with a question, uh, yeah. and that is uh, because you know in America you, you you just can't have a church without officers. Mm-hmm. You know that's that's much of the uh, brouhaha mm-hmm. that has been occurring here recently, and and what Bo and uh, and Stephen that's how they've been sort of laying the axe to the root is in. Uh, attacking this magisterial officer uh, paradigm, uh, this modern construct of church with four walls, a very uh, rigid uh, liturgy, and, uh, you know, you're not the church, you go to church. Now, it sounds to me like if you didn't identify yourself as a church, someone would just think that you're just friends or your your associates through the school or through the businesses, do you, do you, ha- do you have, and, and uh, I'm just asking, I'm not, I don't have any criticism to offer. I'm curious, do you have anything, uh, are you, are, would you be called an elder? And if so, would, uh, are there any others? Is Nathan a deacon or is he an elder? Or do you even, or really, do you even operate under that construct down there? No, not really. It's it, what we're trying to figure that out. And I, I just said, I'm tired of this. We're going to try something different. And I even told my wife, I said, I don't care if nobody comes. You and I are going to do something together on Sundays if nobody comes. And if we're not interested in in thousands of people and all that kind of stuff. We have uh, half a dozen families. Mm-hmm. And, the, and uh, you know, pinging off of uh, some of the things that Bo has written and as another the synagogue model of the early church. The early church was a synagogue. Uh, we're looking for 10 families and raising up the, the, the husbands, the heads of the families, to be the elders. And I involve them in decision-making. I ask one guy, he says, can you handle the money, the offering? And uh, actually, the, the, learn, the church started out of the learning center, out of the schools for fathers. The one family typical, the family that said, you should start a church because you're teaching things we're not hearing in our churches. And they, didn't, they came for a while, and then they bailed on us, which is... Who cares? I mean, God brings who he wants to bring. I'm not begging anybody to stay. We're working with uh, the other the other concept here that we have is that we're working with a remnant. So uh, I think that's going to happen naturally. Uh, I do not consider myself a pastor. Nobody calls me pastor except for the some of the parents in the school, but the people in the church do not call me pastor. They call me Roger. Would you, would you like us to start calling you pastor? No, please. <laughs> I like Papa Roger. Yes, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> no. But I, it's just the gray hair and the beard, you know. Uh, and a, being a problem solver and helping people reconcile and not let things go by and trying and trying to, to work this out. I was, we were just talking before we started this, Nathan and I, I said, I'm trying to 
sort of get my mind around, my head around what is happening here. And what came to my mind is what a friend of mine used to say about his ministry. is all we have is life and we live it. Uh, sometimes people are sentimental about the children and their little hearts. And I said, well, the structure of what we're doing and how we use this ACE system. And when the child needs help, he puts a flag up and we attend to them and they learn discipline. That is dealing with the issues that are at the foundation. They must learn God's law and how to live, how to choose the path that leads to life instead of choose the path that leads to death. And uh, so I don't, the answer to your question is, uh, yeah, we say that the heads of families are elders and we kind of, uh, very subtly without making a big issue about it, we kind of task the guys who have children. Well, when we do, uh, here's one of the things that we decided to do, uh, uh, digesting some of the things that Stephen Perks has written. Uh, I don't lead communion usually. We pick a father who has children and ask him to read the passage from 1 Corinthians 11 and lead us in, in and lead the communion. We're trying to teach him that, dads, you, you are responsible spiritually for the leadership of your family and you're going to do it here. So I don't know if that answers your question. We're, we're just... Uh, taking a step at a time, figuring it out as we go. We just know that we don't want to go back to the old old model. Does that make any sense at all? Well, I, early on, as you're describing uh, what you're doing down there, the, the term laissez-faire Christianity came to mind. <laughs> you might say. And, uh, and of course, that... Uh, that just wouldn't wash here in the U.S. You know, I think really truthfully what we're what we're what we're seeing, and this, and a lot of these things are dovetailing together. Not to conflate all these uh, issues and topics together, but one of the things we're I think we're seeing here, and what's it's, it's sort of ironic because as theonomists, I think most people think that we're going to be heavy-handed, very rigid, and stylistic. And every T has got to be crossed a certain way and every I dotted just so. And yet what we're really, what's sort of materializing or growing out of um, this body of teaching and people meditate on it and trying to put it into action is really what, what is, looks more like a laissez-faire Christianity. It's really decentralized mm -hmm. and uh, it's, and, 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 Bo talked about in his interview with me the other night about uh, the ministry industrial complex. <laughs> and when you don't ask for money and when you don't have a central government and you don't have an office and you don't have a board of directors and you don't have a very stylized, rigid, conventional structure, uh, a, a system of authority and control, command and control, uh, other ministries, so-called, mm -hmm. will discredit you and marginalize you, and they and they find you as a bit of a threat because they really can't figure you out. You you don't fit their paradigm. It's like trying trying to nail Jello to a tree. They just don't know what to do with you. And and it makes me wonder um, as as sort of freelance as you are, how what Nathan saw that made him recognize this as a work that he wanted to become a part of. So I guess that's sort of a, 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 a segue into 
just let Nathan talk for a while. Um, so, w- what did I see uh, that was particularly attractive? Yeah, you. My understanding is that you were in Korea, and perhaps I guess you were transitioning away from Korea, and you were headed back across the to the, the United Kingdom, and you received an invitation yep. to to detour down to uh, Mexico. Yeah. And uh, did you just find Roger so engaging or so magnetic? Or Marcus is a good cook. <laughs> it, was, it was a smell of Marcy's cooking from 6,000 miles away. Um, well, let me explain that. I had discovered Christian Reconstruction at a relatively young age, um, in my 20s. Um, I was at a history tutorial finishing off university last year and the topic was Presbyterianism in Ulster and the particular topic of the tutorial was the 1859 revival a famous you know a revival uh, in the in the era of revivals and so on and they're discussing the causes of of the revival now this is just all the backstory um, and of course God God didn't come up I mean and I mentioned God, and I felt like I was the one that, you know, pooped in the punch bowl, you know. Um, and I realized then that God, I, for a number of years, I realized that God was absent from education and and that the church, although I couldn't express it, perhaps in these words, um, that I realized that the church was very much compromised with an ungodly, godless system, you know, when they prayed for little Johnny and Billy who were studying for their state exam, whatever. So I realized that that the whole the whole system of education, which was my particular interest, was was thoroughly godless and would always be. So that set me that set me on a on a path to find the answers. And my father, who's by no means a Christian Reconstructionist, but is a a Bible believing evangelical minister uh, with a library, you know, um, he pointed me in the direction of a book co-written um, by Cornelius Van Til and J. Gresham Mason on the subject of public edu- educate subject of education, and from there, following the paper trail, I heard about R. G. Rushdoony and Gary North's books were available. So I, not being a very good reader, reader didn't get all. Uh, I found the answer there. Really, I found the answer with. Um, what I later come came to find was presuppositionalism with Cornelius Van Til and Christian Reconstructionism. So I'm coming from from having been exposed to that for a number of years, but nobody being interested in it. In fact, when I opened my mouth to anybody in church or whatever, it was like you have ten heads, you know, the usual story, and there was opposition even even from family and so on. The the same old same old that many. Many of us have experienced. So, I um, I should also explain that being a minister's son, I think you're closer to the whatever is the theme of evangelicalism, whatever the the sour notes that evangelicalism sounds. That's blown first into your ear before it's blown into the ears of the listeners, and I I, I think that uh, often. Ministers' children are are very much hit hit by that um, by the 
all the false doctrines that are associated with, with evangelicalism. So I view myself as a almost as a recovering evangelical, um, as a recovering pietist. So I, I, I had I had to work for for years and I'm still working decades to work the pietism out of my system and the, the false mystical pietistic um, uh, views in life. So I, I was working through that and I had thought about, you know, what about, I'd heard about this apprenticeship program in Florida, but I couldn't be involved in it because I was a British citizen, citizen and so on. So whenever the opportunity came up to be involved with a, a genuinely reconstructionist work, there was no question in my mind that this was an opportunity for me. And in retrospect, um, I can I can look back and say that having had some experience living in living outside the the West, uh, that I and having already had learned one foreign language, uh, I thought, OK, well, I'm I'm actually and having the skill of being able to teach English. I think, well, OK, well, maybe maybe I can fill a I can fill a space here that that other people can't and being single as well um i have the flexibility to move whereas obviously people with families it's much much more of a big deal so for numerous reasons the push and the pull because korea wasn't working out for me um change of management woman in charge all that um, so it was just an opportunity that I could not miss under any circumstances, you know. Let me stop you right there. Let me stop you right there and ask you this question. Uh, because you, you mentioned something, I want to seize upon it and let you go back and, and address it a little bit. Just for the sake of the rest of us, and from your own experience, if, if there is a, quote, truly reconstructionist work afoot, Let's say you stumbled upon you, you visited and you perceived a, a genuine quote reconstructionist work unquote. Tell us what that looks like. What what is a reconstructionist work? What it, does a, it look it, like? The answer is very, 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 very simple. And I can say it in a few words. When you open your mouth and you you tell the truth. When you open your mouth and say the law of God says X, Y, Z, and that's what Roger did, you know? And I'm just, um, and I, I call myself the organ grinder's monkey, you know? I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm part of the team, you know? Um, I'm not leading, well, I have, I suppose, I'm a little bit of a leader in my own right in that. Oh, yes, yeah, you are. Is the, there's the English department and so on, but, um, which is like two or three people, but, um, just opening your mouth and telling the truth. That's what I saw in Roger and I thought, this guy isn't going to muck me about. Um, he, 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 you know, that's, that's it. The law, so, opening your mouth and, and, you know, I suppose you could say, well, of course I could see it in, in, in his life and you could see it as he um, was applying it in, in, the, in the learning center and so on. But, you know, that, that it was a revelation to me that whether it was speaking to a group of people in the chapel or whether it was speaking to two or three parents who came in um, wanting to know about the school, he would he would give them both barrels, not in a, not an aggressive way, 
but in a clear way about the the evil of of a status education about the Moloch worship whatever you whatever you uh, you can say about it you know well let, let me let me okay let's interject in the interest of keeping the ball rolling um i think you i think probably as you're describing yourself and as, and, and, and as Roger uh, describes the work here, I imagine you as a first lieutenant. And, um, and Roger, probably what appealed to you, if, I'm, if I can speculate a little bit, is you saw a principled leader. Absolutely, a, yeah. A principled leader. And the difference between a boss and a leader is that a boss says go and a leader says let's go. He was leading by doing, and you saw that, and he was doing it with principle. And, and one of the, and the person I most relate Rod, to, Roger, is Tim Yarborough, uh, another principled, practical doer, N- not to, not um, investing a lot of energy and time in theoretical Christianity, but practical, tactical doing. And and I guess and I can see when you know given. The uh, the typical hirelings and limp wristed uh, um, t- sorts that are typically in pulpits today. You know, uh, on Wretched Radio, I responded. They were talking about, "Do you pray for your pastor?" And I simply asked the question, "What makes a pastor?" You know, ordination, a masters of divinity, a big library with a leather chair. You know. Uh, Respect what it, you know, are, are a, a leader, a doer, a principled man. And, and, and I instantly drew fire because they, mm-hmm. it, the evangelicals that frequented that group perceived that as an attack on God's anointed. And uh, that you, you, know, you can't jostle, can't jostle the, 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 the parson. Uh, and, and I get the impression that, that, um, Roger's just sort of a rough and tumble guy. He just, uh, what you see is what you get. No pretense, um, no fluff. Uh, so, and I think that, it, and he's a doer. And so, it, it, would it be safe to say, Nathan, that if we came down or if someone stumbled upon your upon this ministry in the middle in Puebla, Mexico, they would just see a bunch of people living life. It, it doesn't look like a church uh well uh, i mean i don't want to elevate uh, anybody to mystical status you know yeah. or mythical status but yeah i mean i think we're all fed up with the whole robes or airs and graces and and, and so on and, and i think all of that has been stripped away they would obviously know it was a church since we were singing hymns and having communion but you know there's there's a lot of the trappings are are, are gone. Okay. So let's, um, what advice, uh, Roger? Uh, now, well, I'm going to ask you this question. Are, are there, how long have you been functioning down there in Puebla? A couple quick questions. 16 years. Five. Have there been, have, have there been other groups that have spun off or other people that as a result of their time and affiliation or exposure to y'all have, have uh, attempted or launched uh, similar communities uh, in other parts of the city or the country? 
Mm, well, uh, <clears throat> I know that people are starting. There's a movement in the churches to start learning centers. I encourage them. I think every church ought to have a learning center and take responsibility for their own children. But, uh, in a, you know, a, sick part, a good part of that 16 years was making the transition. So we've only been doing this for, we started the learning center, this is our fifth year, sixth year. Fifth, sixth year. This is our sixth year. I'm surprised. I, I never in my life dreamed I'd be, you know, <laughs> running a school and a business and all that sort of thing. But uh, so... There, there's the beginnings. There's the a movement in that direction. There's interest in it. Uh, um, I'm a controversial figure. There was a rumor going around, started by a missionary, that because we called our church a synagogue, that I that we were I was circumcising the males. We and, we offer cut value, so, cut price circumcisions. Yeah, <laughs> they're cheaper in Mexico. So. The, the I think it's going to happen naturally because when you the issue of problem solving, and uh, that was uh, uh, Bo's fourth point was positive sanctions. I put it I called it positive sanctions, but it's about uh, creating a system of practical problem solving, especially economic problem solving. Uh, when you can help people uh, take care of their families and that sort of thing, they come knocking at your door. They come. They want to know. There's a lot of interest in town in what we're doing. And uh, so how do you do that? Well, you live, it's like you, like we said earlier, all we have is life and we live it. If you're running a learning center, uh, you got to go look for people to build the furniture, to fix the plumbing, uh, to fix the drains and the, you know, the rain drains and the electricity and all those kinds of things. So who do you go looking for people of character in the Christian community and you try to reward them? So there's, it's not theory, it's, practice it's you know i say to the guy that's come to do the work i say you said you're going to be here at a certain time to do a certain thing you didn't come and you didn't call me that tells me all i need to know about you and uh, that sounds really harsh uh but it's the truth and they and they off it's funny how sometimes i'm pretty harsh pretty straightforward with folks and and later i feel a little bit squeamish about it and they said no roger that's what we need to hear let me so, ask you a question roger yeah, go ahead you suppose that the uh, obviously and I've asked this question before, uh, having been around a, a Presbyterian uh, in a Presbyterian atmosphere for about 40 years. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, the parish model that some have adopted uh, where a pastor and a uh, doesn't see his his role as merely shepherding a a, a congregation, but but actually a, a locale. And that's a, that's one sort of a trend, or a, that's one line. Mm -hmm. Then you've got another line that, uh, presumably, whether it be the Anglican system or the Baptist system or Presbyterian system, at one, I guess, for a long period of time, following the Geneva model, um, a, a quote unquote church, a, a particular congregation, assembly of believers, um, always, you know, generally wanted to start a school. Uh, fairly in short order uh, to support the educational needs of the families that made up the congregation. And, and, and it seems to me that in America now as a push in pushback and, and a, a quite biblical and, and, and proper response to government education is homeschooling in America. Yeah. Uh, but 
in a sense, and again, I'm not I'm not saying anything negative about homeschooling, but in a sense, it does sort of perpetuate the atomic existence of each family. Whereas in the in the in the environment that you all have created, visa the learning center, visa the learning center, the self identification of the various families that belong to it and send their children there and cooperate in these various different, whether it be the furniture making or these other economic endeavors that you're sponsoring, that really is much more conducive to developing that self-awareness of a social order that we talked about. Um, whereas homeschooling, I mean, parents can be very faithfully homeschooling their children most excellently and have a wonderful curriculum and they can belong to a to a, a, a particular congregation in their vicinity, but but it seems to me that the learning center, in your case, in your model, the learning center is the center. It is the center of your society, and it is not just the center of learning, but it's the center of your oikos, your entire group, and and it's the and it's the axle around which the hub revolves, and so perhaps a learning center like you have there is just naturally segues into a perspective of Christianity as a social order, a group of people that are involved in an endeavor together, which most Americans, they go to their, they go to their local church once a week for an hour and a half and then they don't, and they leave it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like going to the movies. Uh, they, they go and then they go home, they, they attend and they go home. But your, your education center is, is really the axle. It's the hub of all of all this social activity that you've got going on down there, so, yeah, kind of we kind of fell into it. Uh, I, I think that's the uh, gracious, merciful, divine providence. Uh, I'm not that smart <laughs> to figure all this stuff out. I just I, you just see people around you that have needs, and you're drawn to try to help them uh, solve those problems, and and you don't deviate from what your standard is. So the standard is not, I don't make stuff up. I make, keep, uh, it's the law. And I've got to submit to it too. And when I fail, I'm up open to it. But yes, you're right. We, Everybody, almost everybody, almost everybody that goes to the church is either uh, has a role in the learning center and or is my associate, is an associate in the business. And that's sort of, you, you mentioned Tim Yarbrough's uh, <laughs> funny story about how we always wanted to have a business but uh you know as being a soldier and all that kind of stuff uh but uh i was talking to tim yarborough he's i i pick his brain all the time about how to get this sort of thing done in a practical way how do we make the business work how do we make the learning center work and i says i got a problem with parents who don't pay what is your recommendation we got talking about it, and I laid him out what it's like here for a professional. He might have a 20-year career, and then they put him out to pasture, and they say they don't have a very – bosses and owners of businesses have a very short hor- horizon, and they don't realize how much value they're letting out the door. And I, can, I can hire two young kids out of college for what I'm paying you. And they go knock on doors and knock on doors and knock on doors and can't get a job. I was explaining that to Tim, and he said – it just rolled out of his mouth like nothing. He said, well, Roger, it sounds to me like what you need to do is start businesses to put these people to work. So, okay. 
that's something that we had thought about doing and trying to invest in the, the young people. How do we help them rather than go to university, start a business? So that's how the business started. And it's also about not having our hand out and thinking that heaven is north of the border across the Rio Grande. Uh, we're going to take responsibility for ourselves. And, and we have, there is, it's interesting, all the economic problems here, there still is mismanagement of money at the family level. So all of that sort of thing is, uh, is like you say, organic. I wouldn't say it's a principle that everybody should start a learning center, but I would say maybe homeschool co-ops. And the best results, I've seen families that very successfully homeschool, not the, hor- not the horror stories that the, the uh, naysayers bring up, but they, who should be socializing a child, his peers? No, people who have already arrived at the maturity that he's striving for, and those are principally his parents. And uh, so uh, they look for ways to associate with other people. In the best cases, they don't isolate themselves. They look for ways to to, uh, come around. And one of the things we've noticed uh, as an example of that, because it's kind of a homeschool atmosphere. It's more of a family, isn't it, Nathan? Uh, Yeah. What what you'll see is people, um, uh, parents bring their children in, who've been in the public school for a long time and you can see the deadness in their eyes and then give them a few months in the learning, learning center and they're able, like a homeschool child, they're able to talk to, to adults. To adults. They'll look you in the eye. They'll look you in the eye. There's furtive, furtive glances, you know. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it is a very family, very much a family atmosphere. Yeah, I, I uh, sometimes attend a congregation there in Tennessee where it's, it's 100% homeschooling. Uh, all the families homeschool, but I think that's rather incidental. In your case, it seems like you got the education part first mm-hmm. and then as a necessary support for the education, you know, in, in other words, people got to pay for the, the service they're receiving. You started the business and uh, any self-identification as a quote church sort of came along after the fact. Uh mm-hmm. And, and, and so um, you're living life together again, which is again, so it's juxtaposed to the American model where people have their own, their own lives. They don't see each other. They have very little contact whatsoever with other members of the congregation they attend, except for an hour, an hour and a half on Sunday. They do this little uh, uh, liturgy routine and then they return back to their homes, not, you know, and have very little, they may have a small group, in the middle of the week, but you all are, you, you structured the church around the lives that you're living together. That's what, that's the impression I'm getting from it. Uh, Nathan have, you know, you're sort of the media, uh, mogul down there, the goo, the, 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 the uh, have there been any videos or any documentaries? Uh, have you shot any, any, uh, film of just introducing or let's say, a tour and uh, the a normal day in the life at Pierreville, uh, right? I did do a promotion thing for um, raise money for the raise for money the for the student student. offices. They call them student offices. Little yeah. cubicles they sit in. Um, but I, I just if you're talking about homeschoolers, mm-hmm. you know, if there are homeschoolers that want to help us out for a month or two or a year, you know, we we want that uh, kind of person down here. And again, if there's somebody that does have, I don't really have the skills to make videos, but if somebody wants to do that as a project, come down for a week, two weeks, whatever, when we uh, have a school, we would love that. But 
Well, we're just, it's hard. It's hard. I'm, I'm sitting here in Gainesville, Georgia, right at the moment. And I'm having a hard time. I, my first impulse is to go on YouTube and do a search for Pueblo, Mexico, and just get a handle for, is, is, would you say it's like much like any major city? Uh, oh, yeah. it, 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 you have the same sort of infrastructure. It's what probably in excess of a million people. Probably closer to three to five million. And most Americans have never heard of it. No, but uh, every time you see um, the new Beetle, you know the Volkswagen Beetle, the new one? Uh-huh. They're made in Puebla. There's a factory of Puebla. There's our major industry is Volkswagen plant. And they made uh-huh. the last of the old of the old uh, Beetle. Uh, we have Costco, Walmart, Sam's, Mer- McDonald's, Starbucks. Burger Kings. We have five you Starbucks. Do- so you do have Walmart. That means that uh, that anybody who wants to support either you or Nathan can uh, send money via Walmart to Walmart or MoneyGram, and you could just go right down to the Walmart and pick it up. Sure, <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> Why not? But uh, um, we're part of a mission uh, called C10. So if there are people who do want to get make tax deductible donations, they can make it through there. If that suits them, so yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I prefer the other because you don't get uh, you don't get taxes. I mean, you you get assessed uh, presumably for money that yeah. you receive. You know, uh, I, w- I I always thought it was something wrong about the idea that God's ministers ministers take getting taxed on God's money. I said, you know, somehow it seems to me that God should be uh, out of reach of the Internal Revenue Code, um, but. <laughs> So I've often used the that as a way to get money to someone quickly is just to go to the Walmarts and and you fill out a form and it says I want to send this to this individual and they live in this in this country or this city and the only thing and then they do the transaction. So I think it's like a nine and nine dollar and fifty cent transaction. And then you can pick the money up generally within a few minutes. There you go. Uh, just go to the local Walmart. Now, knowing that you have Walmart makes it makes it that, that opens up a whole world of possibilities. Hmm. Uh, interesting. So, uh, and that way you don't get a statement at the end of the year. I don't. I, I believe that from. The, but C10 is based there uh, in um, Kerrville, Texas. That's right. Yeah. You know, uh, was it Bra- uh, Brandon? Didn't know it was located there. Huh. Uh, you know, uh, he lives right there in Kerrville. That they just had the American Vision Conference, and I told him about that. I said, you know, there's the, the mission board that uh, that uh, uh, that handles uh, support for Nathan Conkey is right there in your community. He didn't know it. And uh, Roger Oliver. Yeah. Yes, and Roger Oliver. I found that out today. It's so a unique model of a mission, by the way, uh, something to think about. If they don't. They're not in your knickers. With a big mission strategy, they exist to process receiving funds, and you got to you got to support the home office that does all that stuff, and and they negotiate what you're going to take. They don't they don't provide a lot of the other services. You have to have an invitation from somebody who's already ministering on the field, uh, and so it's real real stripped down. All of the executive leadership are supported missionaries. And they don't think of themselves as executives as much as pastoral care for the missionaries. Now, are they also a faith for all of life bunch or a hodgepodge of, of 
background. Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. <laughs> from, from socialists to uh, your typical down-home whatever, you know, American folks. But they're, they're in Canada as well, so on. there's a whole range. It's definitely the, the, the guy that started it uh, had the idea of getting people onto the field who had skills that other missions wouldn't take them because of their backgrounds. Maybe they were divorced or they, had some, well, you, they were too old or any number of things. And so uh, it, that I really, really, really appreciate. Well, I, one of the obviously implicit in, in every interview, we want to give you all a chance to, to uh, you probably don't like the word promote yourself, uh, but to promote what you're doing, uh, what God's called you to, and so how people can stay in touch. And of course, uh, Nathan's uh, landmark role in Reconstructionist Radio as the uh, Monday morning uh, post mill guy. Yeah, I, I call it like a glass of cold orange juice. It's really a refreshing. Uh, it's really a refreshing program to get first thing on Monday morning, Nathan. I want to tell you well, firsthand. Thank you very much for the encouragement. Uh, it really is a boost because it sets your it it it's, it it lifts your head and sets your eye higher than uh, than your own uh, than the sidewalk in front of your feet. So that's that's much appreciated. But uh, in fishing for a, a something a takeaway, something that we can really. Uh, that our, our listeners can really hang their hats on having listened to this interview and getting a chance to, to meet you. And of course, um, and, and, and they know Nathan somewhat. Uh, and that is one of the most common questions that I hear float sort of in social media and among uh, young reconstructionists is how do I find a church? You know, how do I find, because they want, and, and frankly, you know, they may be in, a, in an evangelical, they may be in a Southern Baptist, they may be in a Reformed and Presbyterian church, but it's not, it, it, it does not have a victorious eschatology. It does not, uh, uh, they're not uh, activists, they're more theoreticians. And, and they're looking for, a, a, what they're, and they're asking, what would it look like to be in a decidedly, Reconstructionist fellowship, uh, a fellowship where uh, the law of God was uh, central and held in high esteem. Obviously, the soteriology and and, and an optimistic uh, view. And of course, you have a long range view. I mean, you, you don't have any illusions that you're going to change Mexico uh, in your lifetime. But I but I think you do believe that your efforts, humble as they may be now, uh, are the very sorts of groundbreaking grunt work that God uses to change nations uh, yeah. through, your, through your students. That your students, some of, the, some of the young men and women that you're interacting with today may grow up to be future heads of state. Um, That's what we expect. I, I often tell them, I said, there's going to become a day when the situation is going to be so desperate that the leadership of the country is going to come looking for you to write a new constitution based on God's law. And the question is, are you going to be ready? Uh, we, we're trying to teach people to think in terms of three generations. Okay. So in, that, in terms of that takeaway, I'm thinking, I've had people who say, well, how do I find a Reconstructionist church? I said, well, I don't know if you'll find Reconstructionists, but find homeschoolers. 
the refined people that are involved in their children's education, whether it's at home mm-hmm. or whether it's by virtue of uh, bringing them to a place like Pierre Veret, uh, when it's not the easiest thing for them to do, they, they're easier options. They could uh, dump them on the doorstep of the, of the state and let the state ruin them, or they can, uh, they pay a price to have their children in your learning center, I presume. And uh, the very fact that they're going through the steps to, to have their children there mm-hmm. tells you that they, that they, they love their children and that, and that they also have, have presumably have a long range vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think using the education as the pivotal organizing force around which you build a social order is, is maybe what I'm getting out of this is, um, and then we talked about the medicine and, 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 and arbitration and uh, uh, where you're building a, almost like a parallel economy, mm-hmm. uh, something that, you know, a, uh, what is the term? Um, I'll get it wrong, Nathan, that, that Perks uses Imperium, Imperium and Imperio, or is it Imperio and Imperium? I think it's Imperium and Imperio. Yeah. So a, 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 what, a kingdom within a kingdom? Empire within an empire. Yeah. 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 So perhaps that would be it. And we need to, and people need, and you presumably you have uh, on your website, you're giving people updates on what's going on. Although if you're really doing, I don't know that you can be always working on newsletters and stuff. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> well, what I do uh, is, uh, at the suggestion of a certain Mr. Yarborough, is every month on the 20th, I give an update of what I've done, accomplished, um, to my financial supporters. So that's the only regular thing uh, that, that I do. Um, but, um, and if you're, if you can give $10 a month, $20 a month, certainly I'll, I'll keep you up to date. Now, what I would say about people who are wanting to get involved with a, a covenant community or synagogue or whatever you want to call it, a Christian assembly, um, I think that's number one, uh, don't look at it as something that you've got to do in a month's time or even a year's time. Try to take it over the long, longer term. Um, try to put a plan in place. Be, you have to be willing to move, I think. Um, and as Roger tells me, never underestimate what you can accomplish. Overestimate what you can, com- can accomplish in one year. Never underestimate what you can do in five years. If that's your goal, you know, have a have a longer timetable to be part of it. Um, but also, what what we find here, uh, what I find in my short time here, is that God provides people to be part of the team and that's it really is one of the most notable features of being here that god provides people at at the right time so you know if you pray for it maybe the lord will provide a um the nucleus but you know i i would be willing to move and of course the u.s is the most mobile um social order that there's ever been in you know so it's not it's it's not uh, that that difficult i'm sure it's relatively uh, easy if people want to, if people have skills and think that they can maybe make a contribution, your skill might be speaking English, um, just that, and having a good Christian character, then, you know, why don't you come down here if you're, if you're, if you're single and, and so on. 
and if you have the flexibility to do that, um, that, that that's my two cents worth. Well, I w- I'll take a step back and say, um, I, I think you find a problem and you solve it. If it's education, you do education. If it's economics, you start a business to put people to work. Uh, whatever it is, wherever you are, wherever God has planted you, you start there. Uh, there's a guy in the book of Judges, he's mentioned in passing, his name is Shamgar. He picked up a jawbone or something, an ox goad or something, ox and he killed there. 300 people. And I, I went to a, a high-performance team kind of a conference led by uh, the executive director of corporate development for Chick-fil-A, mm. and he took out of that passage uh, three things. Start where you are, use what you have, do what you can, it'll be enough. Mm. Yeah. Um, what is the easiest, um, so the, uh, going to this, now is travel, how does one travel from the United States to Puebla? It, by rail, by bus, by plane? Airplane, and it's uh best thing to do is go to Mexico City. That's where the most flights are. Southwest now has, I, I got a flight to uh, from Mexico City to Houston for 200 bucks uh, round trip. And uh, there's really good buses, really safe uh, luxury buses. We'll, we'll come that, down and meet you at the airport. Yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll come and get you. I, I, I'm really bad at writing the newsletters and stuff because I keep too busy. And that's there's an advantage. There's another advantage to that. You don't have time to worry about everybody who shoots, throws rocks at you. But because uh, you're busy, you're just too busy. I, my, my answer to that is always to invite people to come down and stay with us. Now, how long are you going to be in Houston? You're going to be in Houston about a week? Yes. Are you going to be anywhere else other than Houston? No, just I'm going to be selling furniture. We're going to go and try to break open the market. There, we got to sell furniture. We're going to have a cash flow problem. I got I got families to feed here, and I got to I got to sell furniture to do it. So there's another one of those. All right, Lord, what do you want me to do? Do uh, do, do you have a catalog, or do you have a website for the furniture company? Not yet. We're we we were working with one one buyer, and the the market just kind of collapsed. Hadn't moved much furniture, so. Bigger market in Houston, Dallas Fort Worth is another one that's probably and it's closer. So uh, we're going there to do that. And uh, all well, of this well, stuff is well, what, kind of what kind of furniture do you make? It's it's uh, rustic pine furniture, but ours is a higher class. It looks uh, we're trying to copy uh, we, uh, the Borkholder furniture, the Amish people that make furniture. Uh, their sort of model, we've their style of the furniture looks a little bit like theirs, although it's it's between rustic and what did they say, minimalist. I didn't know that word before. I I've learned a lot about carpentry and about all kinds of stuff I never knew before. I never thought I'd ever learned before. Managed to keep from cutting my fingers off uh, in the last year, but that's that's what we're making. And but it's got some details that uh, a friend of Tim Yarbrough. Jim Nelson taught us he's our main customer and uh, so but there's a that's what we got that's what we're doing that's our main product and we're going to try to open the market here in in Mexico as well we have some other ideas we're not that's not the only thing that we have in the pipeline to try to develop we're going to try to develop a gourmet food truck and sell Texas barbecue because it's popular they like my barbecue well 
you know, what I what I know from what I know from my time in corporate America in sales and marketing is nothing happens until somebody sells something. Yep. So you can make the finest furniture on the planet, but somebody's got to sell it. That's right. And uh, and um, so I would suggest that you know there's a bigger audience via the social media network than you might imagine if you just simply in the course of the next day or so take some pictures of the furniture you make put a price on it put it get it out on facebook on social media and people who want to support the ministry in a practical way and the people who are uh, affiliated with you uh, can order furniture or something we can, I mean, whether they've got to go to Alabama to pick it up or Houston to pick it up or however you're going to do that, you're going to have to find a, you're going to have to find a, a vendor and he's going to take his cut. If you can sell it direct to the end user, the person who's going to be acquiring it and using it, you don't have to pay that commission. You don't have to pay the cut to the middleman. Let the, you know, uh, anymore with network marketing and with social media, uh, it seems to me that if you've got a, you know, look what, how much business Amazon does. They don't have a storefront. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, there's, uh, those are all things we'd like to do. Uh, we didn't want to get ahead of ourselves and get more orders than we can fill. <laughs> but right now we're at the place where we got to sell, we got to sell a truckload. And uh, we got, so we can get, you know, I, we, the guys are going to work. They're going to produce. They're going to start producing again. We had to move uh, the warehouse and a bunch of other stuff this summer. So. Uh, it's it's a hoot. It's or you can have a Jewish fire sale. Just make sure it's all well insured and then burn it down. But that would be <laughs> unprincipled. That would be un, that would be unprincipled. Okay. Uh, no, no, we don't want to. Well, I'll that, edit that. Anyway, I'll edit. I'll, those are I'll all edit, good ideas. I'll edit that out. But seriously, uh, gentlemen, you don't need. I mean, think virtually. Uh, well, you know. Yeah. What, sure. what I would say is that. Um, Look, we've had some, our best supporters and prayers and so on have been businessmen. And it, maybe there is somebody that sells full-time on Amazon that that is, that is uh, that says, well, I can help with that. Well, do get in contact with us. Um, you know, we can't all be experts. So come and, come and talk to us and maybe you can help us. Maybe you can't, but, you know, we'd, we'd, we'd probably love to hear from you. Now, Roger, yeah. I also talked to I also talked to Jack Campbell uh, the other day after I talked with you, and he's the uh, he's the combat marine uh, physician's assistant, homeopathic naturopath, that uh, disciple maker that I told you about, yes. and he and he thought that a trip down to Puebla would be a a grand little adventure for the two of us at some point in the future, and he said, so piece uh, of cake, and. Uh, and you'll eat also, well you, while you're here too. All you have to do is get here. Oh, food's terrible, terrible, <laughs> terrible. Well, of course, and, and of course, he speaks Spanish because he was a he was in he was, all of his children were lived in Madrid, Spain. Oh, uh, yes, yes, yes. So, all right. Well, one more time. Uh, it's uh, how do they uh, uh, t- take us out here, Nathan? Go ahead and promote the websites and the and how to support you and Roger financially for those people and. Uh, before we before we sign off, well, you can go if you're especially if you're a Spanish speaker, you can go to visionamericalatina.com. You can contact us directly at um, uh, facebook.com forward slash christian dot education, and uh, you'll look up Roger Oliver. 
he'll be on my friends list. Uh, you're probably already friends with Roger if you're listening to this. You can support, you can go to C10 and search for Roger Oliver and you can make a one-off or a regular monthly donation um, to the work here and that'll be tax deductible. If you want it for, to go to a special project, just add a note. And if you want to support myself, just go to C10 and search for Nathan Conkey. There's only one Nathan Conkey as far as I know. And we'd love to hear from you. And we do appreciate um, you taking the time to to talk to us. And, you know, in, in many ways, it's a very ordinary work here. And just we're, we're very glad to, to, that the Lord is, is is with us in the work here. So, so that's, that's C10.org, Nathan? C-T-E-N.org. And you All right. Search through the, the missionaries. Yeah, uh, C10 means commission to every nation. 10-4. Okay, Papa, Major Roger Oliver, <laughs> Nathan, uh, uh, what did you, you call yourself, the um, organ grinder? The, the organ grinder's monkey. <laughs> okay. Roger Oliver and uh, Nathan Conkey, brothers, we, we love you and we appreciate, uh, we feel close to you. Uh, it, it, the, the wonderful that God's given us these tools of dominion that we can there's no excuse for us to be um, out of pocket. We, happily, for for the time being, we can be um, we can be in close contact, and we can follow you, and we can support you. And folks, we need to pray. And if you're not on the tip of the spear, you need to support the men and women who are where your because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And brothers, thank you. And thank you. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us this evening on The War Room. Thank you for joining us in The War Room. Please enjoy The Nation's Rage, Psalm 2, by my soul among lions. Why do the nations rage? The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.